in response to the preaching of the word, let us sing from Psalter number 327, the stanzas 1 and 2, 327, 1 and 2. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, what benefit is daylight to you and to me? Well, perhaps we can find an answer if we look at the opposite of it. Read not too long ago of some children who by cruel parents were held in the dark most of their life or most of their existence because it's not really a life. They were kept in the basement all the time. No daylight, no sunlight. And what could be observed of them is that they were malnutritioned. They were pale. They were weak. Well, that's, that's the opposite of, of the benefit of, of sunlight, of, of daylight. Now, the question can also be asked, what is the benefit of God's light to us? That is, spiritual light. What is the benefit of that? And then again, we can look at the opposite for a moment and say, well, as we look around in this world and as we, as we listen to the news and when we hear about what people are doing in terms of foolish things, sinful things, that's darkness. That's darkness. And, and there's no way that they will see any sort of godly light. And so the benefit can be asked, what is the benefit of God's light for you and for me? Now, we must hear something about that this hour. As we uh, will read from Psalm, and have read from Psalm 36, there we read about King David, the king of Israel, he has composed this particular psalm. And he most likely composed this psalm during the mature years of his life, having gained experience, particularly in the practice of the Christian religion. What we have here, therefore, is what I would want to call a profound example of experiential religion as it speaks of the function of, of light for your and for my spiritual life, as we read it from our text, for with you, that is with God, is the fountain of life in your light, that is in God's light, we see light. So may the Holy Spirit therefore bless us as we explore this particular line, this particular verse from Psalm 36 in the following way. Spiritual life, through light from God. In the first place, you want to consider the fountain of spiritual life. Secondly, the means to spiritual life. And then thirdly, the enjoyment in spiritual life. Now, congregation, the first question we can ask, what is spiritual life? Well, let me give you a broad definition of it for a moment. It is a life lived to please God, it is a life in obedience to his word. It is a life in which true faith in Jesus Christ is evident in what we say and also in what we do. Spiritual life is, is evident in how we conduct ourselves in public, but also in how we conduct ourselves in private. Spiritual life is evident in, in our meditative life, in our prayer life, and in our worship life. 
And to be very practical about this, spiritual life is evident in how we love and care for our wife and for our husband, for our children, for our family. Spiritual life is, is all about that, you see. Now, another question, who or what is the source of spiritual life? Well, the source of spiritual life is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And where does this strength, where does this ability come from to become spiritually alive? Does it come from us, you and me? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It comes from God. Spiritual life comes from God. After all, with us, you and me, by nature, there is no strength. As Paul tells us, for instance, in Romans 5, verse 6, for when we were still without strength, that is, when we were still in darkness, when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. So without strength, ungodly. So there's no strength with us by nature. Now, in this particular psalm, Psalm 36, David speaks of, with some concern about the ungodly, that is, those who are still spiritually dead. And I want to underline that. He, he speaks with some concern. Now, you don't get that so much as you read it in the English. But he starts off by telling us that the conduct of the ungodly actually touches his heart, or as it can be translated from the original, that it has made him very, very concerned. As if to say within himself, why, why do they do these things? Don't they know any better? That is what David may have thought as he wrote those lines. He speaks of them then and their conduct as the transgression of the wicked. And such a person, and he describes such a person as well for us, such a person is still stuck in the mess of darkness and blindness and ignorance. Such a person actually flatters himself, even when people notice his iniquity and, and his hateful actions, and he says, ah, oh, see, yeah, that's me. The words of his mouth, his conversation, is, after all, nothing but wickedness and deceit and lies. Wisdom and goodness are totally absent from him. And when he lies on his bed, he's continually thinking of what mischief he can still get away with. He plans to do evil as much as possible and is not shy to speak to others about it either. Now, this then is David's description of a person or persons that he is very concerned about. Now, dear people, is your heart ever concerned about the ongoing conduct of the wicked? Are you never troubled about the transgression of the wicked? Not aggravated, not, not angered, but troubled and concerned as David was here in this psalm. Troubled and concerned enough to pray for them that God would change them, that God would shine His light upon them. 
Perhaps it is one of your own family members, a son, a daughter, a son-in-law, or a daughter-in-law, or a wife, or a husband. Well, don't give up praying for them. Show genuine concern for them. Let your heart be troubled about them, and let it motivate you to be much, yes, very much in prayer for them. Why? Well, because God can do great things in answer to prayer. Great things. Spiritual life, you see, it is to be found with God. Spiritual life, after all, comes from God. With God, so says our text, with God is the fountain of life. Now, this is good news, isn't it? Good news. God is not only the living God, He is that to be sure. We can understand that. In contrast to all the other gods which people have set up for themselves today. Our God, that is the God of the Bible, is the only living God. But He is more than just a living God. From our God comes life, proceeds life. From Him life flows forth, you see. Not only is He the source of life, which we see all around us in terms of the creation, even the snow as well, but He is also the source of all spiritual life. In fact, He's more than the source of life. He is, as the psalm tells us, He is the fountain of life. Now, during one of our trips through the Rocky Mountains a few years ago, we stopped at a place where we saw water trickle down from between some rocks. Such a trickle, we could notice, eventually became a stream of water as well. And such a trickle of water between the rocks is then a source of water. Nothing spectacular, but nevertheless, a source of clean, fresh, cold water which we could drink from. But there are, in that same region as well, geysers, that is, large fountains of water to be found, and that in several places. I think, for instance, of Old Faithful in Yellowstone Park, a fountain of water which shoots, I believe, I'm told at least, 170 feet up into the air. Apparently, it is quite a, a tourist attraction just to see all that water not merely trickle from a rock, but actually shooting up high into the air with great roar and with tremendous pressure as well. Now, such a fountain, then, speaks of great abundance, and it is quite a sight to see as well. Well, now, David. David. This is what David, the psalmist, wants to say about God to you and to me. God is not merely just the source of life, but He is the fountain of life. This means that there is within God a great pressure to bring out that life, and that there is a great amount of and a great abundance of life with God Himself. Pressure and abundance. Now, why does God reveal Himself in His Word as the fountain of life? Now, I believe that 
That is obvious to us now, isn't it? It is first and foremost to make himself attractive to you and to me, to make himself compelling for us to look at. And that is an important part that we begin to look at who God is in his marvelous excellencies. Not only the excellencies of his loving kindness, we have sung about that, but also in the excellencies of him having life within himself. He is compelling to look at, therefore. Now, our God then is the fountain of life, dear people. This should become a, or be a strong attraction point for you and for me. This should therefore compel us and draw us to look to him. After all, we who are by nature without life are then being drawn, we're being compelled by word and spirit to look to him who is the fountain of life. Another question can be asked, well, are you already drawn to him? He is, after all, someone special. He is someone unique. He is, he, he is, he is the fountain of life. He is the only one, the only one of whom this can be said. Now, why has God revealed himself in his word as the fountain of life? Well, he has done so in order to convince you and me and persuade us that there is not merely just a trickle of life coming from him, which we could have a share in, but that there is an abundance of life with him, that there's an overflowing abundance of life with him, that there's a great quantity with him, of life with him, which but certainly will not pass us by if we are brought near to him by way of his word and Holy Spirit and become attracted to it. Now, perhaps you have become aware of your natural lack of spiritual life. Perhaps you have become aware that, that things are not right with you spiritually as yet. Well, here in his word... There's great abundance of spiritual life to be had with God. He is the fountain of spiritual life. This also means that there is great pressure within God to bring that life out, you see. There is within God, if I may say it this way, there is within God a great urge, a great desire, even great pleasure to bring forth that spiritual life so that sinners like you and I may be enriched by it. Now, is it, is it a doubtful matter if God would want to give us any spiritual life? Is it a doubtful matter? I dare say to the contrary. We read, for instance, in Ezekiel chapter 33, and look it up later on. It's a beautiful passage where God himself says, as I live, says God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. And then you hear God, as it were, crying out, why would you die? Why would you die? Look to me and be saved. 
And so there is great pressure and there is much pleasure within God to give you and me spiritual life. That is to anyone who by word and Holy Spirit become attracted to him and are drawn by him. And this, of course, is something that we pray for, don't we? We have prayed that, that the Lord God will draw all, all people to him. What an encouragement this is, dear brothers and sisters, that there is great abundance of spiritual life with God and a great desire within him to give this to you and to me. And so the question can be asked, are you already attracted to him? Do you feel drawn to him at all? He is the fountain of life. You know, as believers, we may be able to say, and perhaps it would be good for us to learn to confess this as well with Matthew Henry, all the strength and comfort of a sanctified soul all its gracious principles, powers, and performances are from God. And dear fellow believers, you and I, we need to remember this. God is the fountain of your and my spiritual life. And therefore, whenever you feel short or deficient in spiritual life at any moment, or feel weak in your spiritual life, you heard something about that this morning, you know where to go. You know where to go. Back to the source, back to the fountain, back to God himself. And cry out to him that he would replenish you with such life. It would not be the first time for any believer to go on his knees and pray, Oh God, I, I feel so lifeless, I, so weak, I feel so empty spiritually. Please replenish me. Enliven me, for with you is the fountain of life. In other words, we go back to God in prayer about it. Well, now, let me in the second place consider with you the means to spiritual life. Because you may very well have asked at this point, well, how do I get this? How do I come to experience this, this, this spiritual life and light? Well, first of all, it is possible that those who are without spiritual life are themselves not even aware of it. They are no doubt unwilling to admit that they are still without it and are still in spiritual darkness. And they say, no man, don't talk to me about that at all. The Bible has a term for them, and it's called dead in trespasses and sin. Now, perhaps you're surprised to hear that a church-going person could actually be still in that state. Sad to say, but yes, this is possible. The Lord Jesus Christ himself once said to some people in the church of Laodicea that they did not know. In other words, they were ignorant of this fact that they were wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And how sad it is when a church-going person does not know that he or she is still spiritually dead. He or she is then indifferent to what they hear. He or she is then satisfied with himself, considers himself rich, increased with goods, 
and as you also read in that letter to the Laodiceans, and as need of nothing other than acquire more and more goods for themselves. And this is a description that the Lord God, the Lord Jesus Christ gives of those who are church-going people. Now, perhaps this is someone hearing the gospel message hour this hour. Therefore, what is it that you need? Well, obviously, you need light. You need spiritual light. Why? So that you may begin to see the true self of you. That you may see who you are by nature. Do you possess that, that kind of light in yourself? No. All you have is spiritual darkness. But here is where God comes in the picture, dear people. Again, there's light available with God. Spiritual light, which can break through and which can pierce through your spiritual darkness. And with this spiritual light, operated by God the Holy Spirit, you will become aware of your own personal spiritual darkness in which you have at one time felt very, very comfortable. But you won't feel that comfortable anymore in that darkness, you see. Because the light exposes you for what you are by nature. As our text therefore says, in your light, we see light. And as one Bible commentator explains it, no man can illuminate his own soul. All light, all understanding must come from heaven. But now, here's also the good news. There is light with God. And our text makes this very clear. When it speaks of your light, thy light, it speaks of God and what he has and in what he is. And therefore, receive this word as you are hearing it. It operates as a light. Don't shut it down. Don't shut it off. Rather, pray to God to let that, shine, that light shine brightly in your heart and in your life. And that by word and Holy Spirit, His light will begin to chase away the darkness from your heart and from your mind. And that and the indifference that you have been saddled with for so long. And again, dear believers, let the concern, therefore, which David has for sinners also be your and my concern as well, and that you pray for those of, who are, of whom are still in darkness, that the light of God will begin to shine into their life and into their heart. But now, there's more to it. There's more to the light of God than exposing the darkness in a sinner's heart. There's also what I want to call the positive effect as well. When we read our text again, when it says, in your light we see light. Let's look at it in a positive way now. <clears throat> as believers, we have not only the light of God to discover us to our natural darkness... But we also have the privilege then of seeing the Lord Jesus Christ as he is in true form, as God the Father has sent him, 
and as he is illuminated by the light of God. In fact, we can say that Jesus Christ is the light. You can read of that in the Gospel of John, chapter 1 already. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. And then you also read yet in verse 9, speaking of Jesus Christ as the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. So Jesus Christ is the light, you see. Now, I was reminded of this last Sunday morning as I drove to the Niagara Peninsula to preach the word there. And I, as I drove eastward down the 401 and then also down the 403, I had the bright light of the sun right, right in front of me most of the time. Sunglasses on, sun visor down and so on. And I thought to myself, you know, it is, it is impossible to even look close to where the sun is shining. It is impossible to do so. And if I would try to do so, I would be blinded. But now there is someone, dear people, who shines brighter than the sun. And by his light, we see light. And someday, I will look right into the source of this spiritual light. And I will behold the glory of God upon the face of Jesus Christ and not be blinded by it. And so, dear people, Jesus Christ is the light that you and I need, not only to discover us to our sin, but also to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ. By His light, we see one powerful Savior, a Savior who, by His light, dispels and cancels out sin and darkness. By His light, we see light. And when you sense yourself to be in darkness yet, or when you sense that you are still in gloomy shadows, pray for His light to shine on you. Pray for His light to shine in you. Let His, his light illuminate your pathway to heaven, because by His light, we will be very careful not to stumble or fall. By His light, we will have a new perspective, not only on this world which is sinking in darkness, but a new perspective on what lies ahead of you and of me when we enter upon eternity, an eternity of a new heaven and a new earth. There will be no need then, so we are told in Revelations, there will be no need anymore of a physical son, but where God in Jesus Christ will be the light. Isn't this what we are told in Revelation 21, verse 23, speaking of the new Jerusalem? The city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminates it, and the Lamb, that is Jesus Christ, will be the light of it. But today, as we are still on this earth, let us therefore be much in prayer for the light of God to shine on us. And let Jesus Christ himself then be the light upon our pathway to the new Jerusalem. And come to think of it, Jesus Christ purposely took darkness upon him in order that he would be the light for you and for me. 
After all, when he was crucified, you remember that he entered into a stage of darkness, a darkness that is beyond your and my comprehension, and for three hours hanging on the cross, forsaken by his Father in heaven as well, he bore the sin, he bore the corruption, he bore the condemnation, he bore the punishment of it, and all that during a most horrid blackness of darkness. But he endured it for you and for me, so that we would not be in darkness, but have the light with us and have the light in us. For with you, so the word of God says, for you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Now this leads me in the third place to say something yet about the enjoyment of this spiritual life. Now, I must say that some believers do not seem to have much enjoyment in and of their spiritual life. Why not? Why not? Why is the joy of spiritual life sometimes absent, or perhaps even often absent? Well, there could be several reasons for this. For one, the constant struggle against indwelling sin can take away much of the joy of out of spiritual life. Backsliding or falling into one or the other sin can take away the joy of our salvation. And David, he knew about this. But also lack of God's light can diminish the enjoyment of spiritual life. And is this not why some believers are not enjoying their spiritual life as they should? Because, well, they, they are not walking in, in the light of God as they should. They are not seeking the light of God as they should. In our text, we are told, in your light, we see light. And this means, dear people, that if you wish to enjoy spiritual life, you will have to have that light of God. You need the light of the Holy Spirit. And that light of God, where is it to be found? Well, it is to be found by way of prayer to God. And it is to be found in the reading and the studying of God's holy and precious word and cherishing that word. It is to be found by way of quiet trust and meditations on God. That is why it says, in your light, we see light. It is stated in a meditative way, you see. I'm experiencing it. Your light. Ah. I see lights. Then we will also begin to see the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has sacrificed himself for. Then we will begin to see something of that blessed spiritual life and what it is all about. That it is a life of hope. That it is a life of perspective. And that it is a life with a future. Then with his life shining upon us, we will begin to look past and beyond our present troubles, we will begin to rejoice in the prospect that one day our troubles will be done and over with. Because in His light, we see light. And the most 
powerful and most beautiful and most wonderful future will begin to unfold then before our eyes, you see. Then someday you'll be in that, that heavenly place. Someday you'll be in that eternal city where God himself will be the light and the glory of God, as I stated it already, will be seen on the face of Jesus Christ. What a sight that will be. Dear people, spiritual life is being offered this hour by God himself who is the fountain of life. And to see this spiritual life and to recognize this spiritual life, light is being offered to you and to me as well, even this hour. None of us can have the excuse that God is not willing to give you life and light. May none of us perish with such an excuse on our lips. Well, God didn't give it to me. God is offering it. And all he wants of you, say, God, that is what I need. That is what I need. Grant it to me. Because you are the fountain of life. You are the source. You are most willing to give it. Lord, I need it. And therefore, to bring this message to a close, call upon the Lord. Call out even as blind Bartimaeus once did when he, saw Je- when he heard of Jesus, the son of David, coming. Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. And there, people, if you cannot articulate anything but but this, this is good enough. Lord God, have mercy on me. And so go ahead. Go ahead. Do so. Because this hour, God's word has given testimony that with God is the fountain of life. And that with his light, we will see light. And then as you receive this light, Jesus Christ, who, as we have heard, is the light of the world, encourages us with these words yet. And I close with it. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father.